This is the text-to-speech podfic reading of Every Man Makes a God of His Own Desires, Dulcis Puer Meus, by Green Velvet Couch. Author's note, before listening to this podfic navigate over to AO3 and please, please, heed all the tags. This fic is not for everyone and is tagged dead dove for a reason. Chapter 1 1686 The blade hit the evening light, shining into Remus's eye as he looked down at the damp grass. He squinted, drawing his head back so that it was blocked by his father's silhouette beside him. It hadn't yet snowed, but the dew from that morning had stuck, clinging to the blades like it meant to stay and bring forth the harsher weather. Remus pulled his coat around himself tighter. John Heather stood near the gate, speaking to his father about the previous Sunday's sermon. About the importance of life and living it well, honestly. About the word of God and his bidding. He hardly stuttered as he brought the axe down, and Remus watched as the head split from the body. As the sheep let out one last cry moments before being slaughtered. Remus wondered why it had cried, it couldn't see. He wondered if it had cried out for its mother, from the cold or the noise around it. If it had cried out because it had been laid on its side or had somehow known what was to come. If it was because the sheep had known it had been born unlucky, a travesty. If it had cried for the harsh winter months to come, moments before it was spared from them. Remus doesn't think the animal could possibly fathom what it meant to wake up every morning and breathe. To stand on two legs and wander. But Remus wondered what its last moments had been like. If it had thought about anything of significance or if it had just been another average breath. The head lulled away from the body. John having brought down the axe hard enough to sever it in one blow, and it rocked back and forth for a moment on the soft, uneven grass before stopping at Remus's feet. He stared at the empty pockets where the eyes should have been. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Matthew 4 verse 8 1691 A gasp left Remus's throat as he felt the man's hand tighten around his throat. Long nails pressed in, shifting the soft tendons and muscle under the skin. It was uncomfortable, but so was life, and he had grown to appreciate the order of the world. Please, Remus begged, lifting his hips and looking up into those same gray eyes. Please, it's late. I must return home soon, or father will notice I'm not in bed. Sirius's hand skated up his neck, fingers pressing into Remus's jaw. Tilting his head back roughly and to the side, he could only take a jagged breath, glancing down at Sirius's chest. Sharp nails bit into skin, and he whimpered again. Yet you still came, Sirius spoke softly, reverently, almost. And risk your father waking up to an empty house. He will be up right after dawn, Remus nodded, keening as Sirius leaned on the bed, a knee pressing between his thighs. For service. Then perhaps I'll draw this out, Sirius shifted his knee, leaning into Remus harder. Do you think while everyone is listening to your father preach false prophecies, I might make you cry out loud enough for them to hear you? He shook his head as he was pushed into the bed, bringing a leg up around Sirius's waist. It found its spot around his waist, and Remus couldn't help but tilt his head back, sighing. 
Maybe by the time they take a moment to pray, Sirius pressed his palm into the skin above Remus's waist. You'll be such a mess that in the silence, they'll hear what I'm about to do to you. What are you about to do to me? Remus whispered as Sirius dug his nails into the soft flesh of his stomach. What would you like me to do? He grinned, and it was evil, wicked and vile and everything his father had ever warned him about. Everything his father had ever taught him about resisting temptation and the act of believing in faith, all destroyed and crumbled under the gaze of Sirius Black. Anything you want, Remus's hips shifted, and he moaned as Sirius pressed him against the bed, thumb dipping below his waistline. He ran his finger under the soft linen before slowly pushing the fabric down. Remus lifted his hips and heard the rest of his clothes hit the floor a moment later. Glancing down, he choked on a gasp as Sirius ran his forefinger down his length. His following words were quiet, something soft and fragile, something only for Sirius. I missed you. I missed your pretty words, Sirius grinned at him before he felt his tongue press against the side of his cock. It was hot as he licked up his length, and Remus only stared, mouth parted and eyes heavy as he pulled away, and Sirius's lips were slick with spit. And I missed your pretty noises, won't you make some more for me? You know they can't hear. Remus nodded frantically, heavy pants and breathy moans leaving his throat as Sirius finally took him into his mouth. The sun is coming up soon, he grit out, thumb ghosting across Sirius's bottom lip, watching as he darted his tongue out, licking Remus's finger. Sirius glanced up at the window as he did, seeing the sky that had turned a bit purple as the daylight broke. He took Remus in his mouth once more, grinning at him as he spoke, hovering over his cock. You know as much as I do that I won't burn, as much as those you keep company tell you otherwise. They also say you're. Remus cried out as Sirius took him all the way into his throat, feeling his forehead press against his hip bone. His next words were rushed and uneven. They say you're the devil. Sirius glanced up at him, hair falling in his face, and Remus reached out, roughly pushing it away from his face. Sirius lifted and swirled his tongue around the tip of his length before blinking and looking up at Remus with wide eyes. Do you think I'm the devil? His eyes were innocent as he asked, and Remus rolled his eyes back as he watched Sirius spit on his cock, watched it drop from his mouth and fall over himself. Anything but innocent, the embodiment of temptation, and Remus was the definition of one unable to resist. No. Remus lifted onto his elbows, threading his hands through Sirius's hair. He leaned down again, sucking hard, and Remus cried out. My God. Sirius glanced up from below his lashes, pulling up just enough to speak. His lips ghosted over the aching tip of Remus's cock as he spoke. Not God, not even close. The cross that hung in the church was made of the same wood as the pews, except the pews were weathered, worn down from years of service and sermons. Remus remembers being a young boy, accompanying his father on the pulpit. Standing by with a hand on his shoulder as his father spoke to the townspeople. Their eyes were always wide, as they were now, as his father delivered the word of God. He offered his message as if it was true, as if while he stood up there, he was not Lyle or even Father Lupin but God himself, somehow in their small chapel. 
God spoke through him, he always said. With a hand on Remus's shoulder, keeping him there as if the Lord was speaking through him to say, I am here. I can touch and bless and show you that righteousness can lead the way, as I have helped this boy's father lead his way. A small congregation stayed back every day, coming to his father with their problems, begging for them to be fixed. Remus thought it was sad, to watch them plead and to watch his father nod in understanding before telling them he could fix their problems. Because sometimes they were fixed, and other times they were not. Beth Mirian's daughter had been sick when she was only four. Remus had only been a few years older at the time but had remembered playing with her when he was allowed. A smiling face, high laughter, and the smell of summer grass. Beth had come, brought her daughter with her when she was sick, and despite Remus's father lying his hands on her weak shoulders, Anna died two days later. Remus had never understood the illness but had been there for the small gathering at her grave. When he asked his father why she had passed despite him blessing her, he only shook his head. That was God's way. Remus had asked then why God would allow such tragedies to happen. Why would he allow death when he was capable of healing, saving, and his father had gotten angry? A slap across the face and a finger in his direction, and he had never spoken of it again. Do not question God's reasoning. There is a reason for everything he does. Remus had gone to church the following Sunday, sitting amongst the people. He stared at the empty spot where Anna would have sat next to her mother, whose cries had filled the small building. After, he accompanied his father, listening to him speak to the small group of farmers he often prayed with every week. It had been early springtime, and they were praying for a better harvest than the year before. Remus had reached up and touched the wooden cross, skating his fingers over the sharp edge at the bottom. The wood had caught, snagging under his small finger, and he had gotten a splinter. It stung and burned, and he hissed in pain before his father looked back at him, giving him a disapproving scowl. Remus had only turned, looked up at the cross, and tore the splinter out of his skin, sticking his finger in his mouth to suck out the blood that had welled in its absence. Today his father was speaking of temptation, the mission of Satan, and his ways. Let us think, for a moment, about when Satan will depart from the child of God, as he did from the great Son of God. His father stepped down from the pulpit, standing in front of it. I do not doubt that he will do so when he finds that it is necessary for him to be somewhere else. Satan is not everywhere and cannot be, for he is not divine. Remus sat back, glancing once more at Anna's mother, who still came to service. She talked less, though, in the years after her daughter's death. He wonders if her faith had been challenged. He is not omnipresent, but, as one has said, although he is not everywhere present, it would be hard to say where he is not, for he moves so swiftly, he is such an agile spirit, that he seems to be here and there and everywhere. Remus wiped his palm against his pants. Despite nearing the colder months, he found it warm in church most days. Like the bodies all sat there together, worshipping and thinking, crafting their own heat. Like as his father expelled the word of God, the temperature rose. Where he is not in person, he is represented by that vast host, the legions of fallen spirits, who are under his control, and even where they are not, the devil carries out his evil devices, so that he leaves the leaven to work, the evil seeds to grow, when he himself has gone elsewhere. 
Remus hissed as the palm of his hand dug into his thigh, pushing roughly into the smattering of bruising he knew was there. He had changed that morning after his father had left, sitting on the edge of his bed and ghosting his fingers over the imprints. It had hurt, but Remus had felt strange as he gripped his thigh as Sirius had the night before, twisting his hand to line the fingerprints up correctly. A ragged breath left his lips before he leaned back on the bed, peering out the small window towards the tree line, where he knew if you walked further in, past the bridge, over the small river, and past the flat rock, you would find the old black house. Remus's father cleared his throat, walking back behind the pulpit and gripping the edges of it tightly. He bowed his head before delivering his final message. The devil speaks in tongues in a language we cannot understand to try and deceive us. The devil whispers words of false wisdom and promises in your ears to entice you. Silence amongst the congregation. We mustn't listen to any word besides the word coming from God and those who listen to God themselves. Remus dug his fingertips into the bruises harder, his arm coming to rest around his waist. Remus's chest pressed against the worn wood. His hips lifted, digging the hard bones of his hips into the floor. He wondered if it would make an imprint as he felt Sirius fill him again. He cried out, but a hand came around, fingers pulling his chin down before resting on his tongue. You make the sweetest noises, Sirius spoke in his ear, and Remus could feel his chest pressed against his back, slick with sweat. All for me. Yes, Remus sobbed between Sirius's fingers, tears flooding his eyes as he felt the stretch, the burn, as Sirius quickened his pace. He felt his cock leave and enter again, his hip bones digging into Remus's ass as his grated against the floor. It was the sweetest torture, to be suspended in bliss. You're mine. Tell me you're mine, sweet boy. I'm yours, Remus moaned, feeling the tightening in his lower stomach as Sirius pressed his hips into the floor harder, his palms spreading him open. Always. Always, Sirius echoed, a gasp escaping his mouth as his lips pressed into Remus's shoulder. Such a sweet boy. Remus's father held out his hand, gesturing to the cross behind him before scanning the rows of people in front of him. I lie at thy feet, my lord, here I am, here would I be. Do with me as seemeth good in thy sight, only deal in tender mercy with thy servant, then will the Lord rebuke the enemy the waves of the sea shall be still, and there shall be a great calm. He commanded them all to bow their heads to pray, to seal the sermon with devotion and a moment to channel holy thoughts, prayers. Remus squeezes his eyes shut, scraping his nails over the bruises as his father spoke once more. So much for the devil leaving the tempted one. He does so, he must do so, when God commands it. Does he know what he speaks, Sirius asked, drawing up his legs onto the bed. Is he the body of Christ? Here on earth? He says he is, Remus nodded, wading his hands through the bath water. To question him would be to question God. But you question him. Sirius smiled softly, pulling his hair over one shoulder. Remus chuckled, sinking further into the basin. You know well enough what I question. But the musings and skepticism sound so beautiful coming from your mouth, Sirius stood, leaning into the words as he came to sit on the edge of the bath. Can you blame me for the asking? Not for that, 
Remus shook his head, smiling softly. No. Sirius dipped his hand into the water as well, swirling it around Remus's. Then tell me, what do you blame me for? Everything, Remus sunk down further, enveloping his shoulders in the lukewarm water that was rapidly turning cold. Some say you're to blame for the barren land. Is that so? And the sickness that spread last spring. What a shame. Some even say when you come to town, that's when the fowls die, and the ground you walk on takes twice as long to grow come summer. Remus met Sirius's eye. They say the night your mother birthed you, when they woke the next morning, a two-headed calf had been born as well. Nature is cruel, Sirius shook his head, tilting it as he pulled his hand out of the water. Your bath has gone cold. Sirius stood, pulling his shirt over his head. He turned, walking to the small table in his home to drape it over the chair. Remus watched his shoulders shift as he leaned down to remove his pants and watched the dark black lines on his back shift in the light of the fireplace. Sirius pulled his hair over one shoulder, and Remus traced the outlines of the markings. He looked over his shoulder, catching Remus's eye, and smiled. Starting from the base of his neck, almost like it was an extension of his long hair, the jagged lines splintered and shattered their way across his back. All the way down to his tailbone, indiscernible scripture that Remus hardly knew if it was more than just lines and pretty swirls. The darkest line ran down his spine, curving as he bent down to grab the rest of his clothes and throw them on the table as well. Remus had always thought it was something breathtaking, something harsh and drastic in comparison to Sirius's otherworldly nature. The lines contrasted against his pale skin, and the time Remus had asked about it, brushing a finger over them and being surprised to find the skin flat and not raised, Sirius had only hummed and said he had been told they were there from birth. Remus watched him come to stand in front of the basin, arching a brow. It's cold. Are you going to let me in? The water is cold as well, Remus said but scooted forward nonetheless. He felt Sirius step in behind him, felt his legs spread out on either side of his own before he sat back against Sirius's chest. Now we'll both freeze. You have such little faith in me, he laughed against Remus's hair, resting his chin on his shoulder. I haven't much else to do besides ensuring I am able to keep you around. Remus leaned his head back, glancing up at Sirius. They say the nights are getting longer. They are, can you not tell? Sirius asked. Remus hummed, grabbing Sirius's hand and pulling it through the water, watching as it made small ripples and waves. He pressed his thumb between Sirius's knuckles, feeling the shift. I pay very little attention to the length of night, but I suppose I might as well since it seems to benefit me. The dark only benefits those brave enough to venture out, Sirius grinned against his neck, nipping at the skin softly. How long have you made the walk at night to see me? For far too long, Remus sighed. Far too long for no one to notice. The church would sooner burn that there be a soul in town brave enough to notice, Sirius trailed his hand over Remus's arm while he sunk down past his shoulders, looking up at Sirius as he felt the water warmer than it had been a moment before. They would kill us both. Remus sighed. No one will hurt you, sweet boy. Sirius kissed his jaw, dragging his tongue along the wet skin. A hand came around his neck, 
tilting him back to meet Sirius's eyes before his lips ghosted over the tip of Remus's nose as he spoke again. How many times have I told you that? Far too many times, Remus whispered. And when will you believe me, Sirius asked, pressing his other hand into Remus's lower stomach. Remus lifted his hips, feeling the water slosh around them, and it was hot now, almost uncomfortably so. When the time comes. Turn around, Sirius spoke softly in his ear. I've missed you. Remus smiled to himself, lifting and shuffling around in the small bath. A bit of water fell over the side as he settled in Sirius's lap, Remus's thighs pressed between his and the cool metal of the basin. You only saw me last night. And the day away from you was almost more than I could bear, Sirius held Remus's hips, and he hurried down, dipping his head under the water before coming up, hair slick and sticking to his shoulders. Can you blame me for wanting you all to myself? Yes, Remus leaned forward. But I hardly mind. I think of you during the day, always. Tell me more, Sirius murmured against Remus's collarbone, dragging his teeth across the skin. You think of me? I've told you. He gasped as Sirius bit down on his shoulder, shifting his hips in Sirius's lap, and he could feel him hard underneath him and the water pressed against his lower stomach. Yes. Sirius ran his mouth along Remus's chest to his other shoulder, tilting his head to the side and licking the water away. My sweet boy. Father preached about the evil today, about temptation, Remus let his head fall back as Sirius's grip on his hips tightened, and he felt him dip down into the water further, Remus settling on his waist. And I felt the bruises you left on my skin as he told us the devil whispers false promises. Do you think my promises are as false as those who look down upon me for my misfortune? Sirius sighed, leaning his head back and looking between where Remus was sitting on his lap, trailing a finger along Remus's waist, and he shivered. The bath was scalding now, but it did not burn, only comforted, in a way Remus knew no others would ever feel this late into the year. No, Remus shook his head, lifting on his knees. But he said the devil is meant to entice us. Do I wrongfully entice you? Sirius asked, and Remus felt him bring a hand away from his waist, swiping his thumb over Remus's lips before he opened his mouth, taking two of Sirius's fingers between them. Remus shook his head, hollowing his cheeks and sucking as he looked down at Sirius. He braced himself with a hand against his cheek, digging his thumb into Sirius's cheekbone as the man below him leaned into the touch. No. Do I ever promise you lies? He opened his eyes, removing his fingers before looking up at Remus as he sunk slowly onto the two of Sirius's fingers, slick with his spit. No, Remus gasped as he sat back down onto Sirius's fingers, settling against his soft thighs, and he felt his other hand ghost over Remus's cock under the water. Sirius only hummed before rising, and Remus gasped as the fingers shifted inside of him. He swallowed thickly before grabbing the edge of the bath with both hands, lifting and feeling the drag of Sirius inside of him. And do I ever cause you pain? Anything other than pleasure? Never, Remus rasped as he sunk back down, feeling the water slosh over the side of the tub. He looked into Sirius's eyes, 
taking in his slight smile and fervor as Remus began to move faster, feeling himself stretch around Sirius's fingers every time he sunk down, and the bath lost a bit more water each time. Remus's back arched, his breaths coming faster as he grew accustomed to the stretch. Please, he begged, looking down at Sirius with heavy eyes. Please. What is it, sweet boy? Sirius asked as he twisted his fingers, and Remus squeezed his eyes shut tight, a choked gasp escaping his mouth. What do you need? I need you. Remus nodded, looking down at Sirius's cock, hard under the water. You want me to fuck you? Sirius grinned, and it was salacious, that same vile and enticing look his father had surely been warning them about earlier. Say it, you know I love when you speak pretty words to me. I need you to fuck me, Remus whined, leaning forward, shifting his hips, lifting himself off his fingers again, and slamming down, gasping against Sirius's chest as the water hit the wooden floors. Need. Sirius grabbed Remus's hip before he could sink down again, pulling him up. Remus watched as he grasped his cock, licking his palm quickly and stroking himself twice. Is a powerful thing. And Remus cried out as Sirius lined himself up, and he settled down onto him fully. Gripping the edge of the bath tighter, he panted against Sirius's slick skin, dragging his lips against his neck, mind empty, but he was full. Remus raised a hand, pushing away some of Sirius's hair and gripping his shoulder tightly. Tell me what you need, Sirius whispered as Remus lifted again, whining at the drag of his cock. Tell me, and you know I will give it to you. You. Remus gasped as he bottomed out and felt Sirius thrust up into him. You, always. Sirius gripped Remus's waist, digging his nails into the hot skin. He bucked his hips again, and Remus felt his hip bones digging into the soft flesh of his thighs under the water. He squeezed his legs tighter around Sirius's, leaning his forehead against his, and Remus spoke against his lips. Harder, please. My sweet boy needs it harder. Sirius whispered, holding Remus up before forcing him down onto his cock. Needs what only I can give him. How sweet. Remus nodded limply, gripping the edge behind Sirius's shoulders as he set a harsh pace. The water was loud, falling over the side of the bath as Sirius brought Remus down onto his cock, gripping his waist painfully. He watched in awe as Sirius's mouth parted, eyes rolled back as he snapped his hips to meet his movements. Remus only sat there adrift, too enthralled in the feelings of Sirius inside of him to do much more than clench around him and tremble beneath his touch. Remus gasped as Sirius shifted his hips, sliding into the bath further and hitting the perfect spot. My sweet boy, Sirius choked out, adjusting his grip on Remus's waist before removing his hands and wrapping them around Remus's throat. You're so good for me, so sweet and tight. Remus shakily let go of the bath, threading his fingers through Sirius's hair and holding him close, his thighs burning from holding himself up enough to let Sirius bury himself inside him. He choked on a gasp, looking between them, and watched as Sirius's stomach muscles clenched each time he lifted his hips, and Remus gripped tighter, trying to keep himself in place despite Sirius's harsh thrusts. Sirius. Remus cried as he felt Sirius's fingers tighten around his throat. I'm. Shh, 
Sirius nodded, furrowing his brows as he looked at Remus wide-eyed. Tell me pretty words, let me hear them. Please, Remus threw his head back, falling to meet Sirius's thrusts. Fuck. That's it, sweet boy, Sirius leaned forward, lips finding his neck as he pushed down on Remus's shoulders, hands still wrapped around his neck, and Remus heard Sirius's breath stutter. Fuck, what? Harder, fuck me, Remus was incoherent, and he opened his eyes, letting his head fall forward, and watched as the bath began to boil, warmth spreading through him at the temperature and the heat coming to a climax in his lower stomach. Harder, he grit out between barred teeth, pulling his hair back and meeting Sirius's eyes. Sirius's hips stuttered before Remus felt his knees bend behind them, keeping Remus in place as he slammed up into him, the water rushing over the edge of the basin in waves, and Remus could hear it sizzle as it hit the floor. He cried out as Sirius hit that same spot he always did, a look of utter concentration on his face as he drug out Remus's pleasure. He shoved his hand between the both of them, taking Remus's cock in his hot palm, tugging once, and Remus came undone over him. So pretty for me. Just like that, fucking yourself on me. Mine, always mine. Head falling forward against Sirius's chest, Remus's hips shifted back to press into Sirius's cock as hard as he could, reveling in the stretch and the strangled noise he heard coming from Sirius a moment before he buried himself inside Remus fully, gasping. Damihi Codvolo, Sirius hissed, and Remus bit back a groan as the words left his lips, lilting in time with the wavering grind of his hips. His fingers were delicate around his neck as he came, skating over the wet skin. His hands left Remus's throat as Sirius soothed over the bruised skin before letting his hips fall, a hand coming to the back of Remus's head. He felt Sirius thread his fingers through his hair, felt his chest rise and fall, taking Remus with it, before placing a chaste kiss on the top of his head. Remus shut the door behind him, letting it close softly before breathing in the morning air. The sun had not begun to rise, but he knew it would somewhere between where he was and the edge of the village. He turned, looking up at the rough exterior of the black house. The thatched roof had seen better days, and had the home been in town, it would have long been repaired. But it was not, the house settled in the woods, and the roof only leaked sometimes during the wetter months. The worn wood the house was crafted of was as unpolished and rough as the cross that sat above his father's head as he preached, and Remus knew if he ran a finger over it, it would draw blood all the same. Stained dark from the years, it was a small house, far too small for the small family it had once held. Remus looked at it fondly, though, knowing those he saw during the day hadn't made their way out here in years, and it felt like it was only Remus's now, his secret to bear. He stepped off the front step, leaning over to peek through the window, and saw Sirius asleep, huddled under the white linen cover he slept with. Remus closed his eyes and started the walk back home. There was a chill to the air, something biting and harsh like a reminder to those awake that it would warm with the sunrise, but just barely. His father would be making rounds today, speaking to those about helping prepare for the winter. Things were to be done, and Remus always offered to help but found people tended to shy away from his outstretched hand for fear of seeking too much from the pastor's son. Remus crossed the flat rock, thinking of years when he was much younger. 
before he knew much of anything or what the world brought and offered. He walked over the bridge next, looking back and watching as the house disappeared behind him as he walked into the tree line. He walked past the empty homes, half worn down from the weather and the lack of those that once accompanied them, past the pastures and the sparse fields through the small center of his village. He ran his fingers over the well that sat there, over the stained rock and sun-bleached wood. He paused, though, as his home came into view, the sun finally rising enough to light the world in that soft blue hue he had come accustomed to. Remus watched as a buzzard circled over top of his house twice, swooping high in the air and then low before landing on the small perch over the front door. It paused, tilting its head at Remus as he took a few steps forward. He came to a stop in front of the door, looking at the animal. It only stared back, unwavering. They stood there in silence as the sun began to rise further, cresting over the top of the roof. Remus heard the sound of John Heather waking, the gate of the pins swinging shut, and the world turned from a blue hue to a soft, pale yellow. The buzzard let out a cry before flying away toward the direction Remus had come from. Chapter 2 Remus reached out, brushing his fingers along the mantle above the fireplace. It was rough, uneven rock, and as he drew his hand away, he expected to see dust, but there was none. It was clean and soot-free, smooth to the touch from years of wear. From fingers brushing over it the same as he had, Remus turned to Sirius. I need to practice my verses. Sirius smiled, holding his hand out, and Remus turned, pressing his back against the fireplace. He felt the stone dig into his bones, despite being smooth, scraping against welted skin and the smattering proof of his inability to sway to words that were held so high. It felt like fire, a punishment for not being submissive to those above him and Remus's failure to appreciate the words the world was bestowed with. I can't do this right now. He reached out anyway, as his voice wavered, feeling Sirius's fingers brush against his own, and they were warm to the touch, soothing Remus's skin in his trembling grip. Sirius turned Remus's hand over and traced his index finger over the dip of his palm. It was light, something profound in the touch, before Sirius threaded his fingers through Remus's own and tugged him forward. There's something you're not telling me, Sirius spoke softly, leaning into him as Remus dropped his hand to Sirius's waist, returning the touch over his bare chest, digging and curving his nail into the space between Sirius's ribs. He felt his skin give, just as Remus's own would. Sirius trailed his nose along the curve of Remus's shoulder, resting his chin there, and Remus looked down, meeting his eyes. I can smell it on you. Remus found something close to humor wading through the gray, a slight upturn of Sirius's lips, and he was sure Sirius already knew what was unright but was fond enough to let Remus tell him himself. Remus furrowed his brows, hating that Sirius knew more than most but acted so naive. Sirius acted as if nothing had a consequence. As if actions were little more than emotion, and words were nothing except a movement of the tongue, curling and producing a sound understood by the masses. I only got three, Remus whispered, hand coming to the back of Sirius's head as he leaned down, pushing his lips into the skin below Remus's neck. He felt a chaste kiss as he spoke again. I only misspoke three times. Let me see. 
Remus turned his head away from Sirius's lips and looked back at the mantle behind him. He felt Sirius's hand curve around his jaw, holding his face there, and he took in their reflection, standing together. He looked small, but Remus felt smaller. Sirius slowly pulled his head around, forcing Remus's head down to meet his eyes. There was no concession in the gray of his eyes now, something dark coursing through them instead. It was comfort if it was a shade or a hue. Let me see. Remus turned fully, seeing all of himself in the mirror above the fire. It was just him, Sirius eclipsed by his hunched form as he leaned over. He felt gentle fingers slowly work under the hem of his shirt, dragging it over the skin, and he fought the urge to shudder. The skin unstuck from the fabric, wet, and it pulled, tugging against the raw and worn skin. Remus wept, and Sirius's fingers froze. Go ahead, Remus nodded and felt his shirt pulled up, bunching and collecting around his shoulders. There was a pause before he leaned up, allowing Sirius to pull the fabric over his head, and he watched it land on the bed in front of them. It was silent, only the sound of the weather beating against the windows softly and the rhythmless crack and burn of the fire in front of him. He felt Sirius's palm brush over the marks, and he felt it burn, felt the heat seeping into the exposed skin. I don't know how many times I can let this go. Sirius's voice was loud, unwavering between them. A promise and a reminder, if anything. Of one's inability to forget, let alone forgive. Forgiveness had no place in the air between them, and it was palpable as Remus gasped. He gasped and let out a trembling breath as he felt Sirius's tongue, hot and slick, glide over his back. Languidly, he felt Sirius shift behind him, long hair brushing against his lower waist as he knelt behind Remus. I need to practice lines, he spoke softly, head falling back as Sirius reached up, pulling Remus to arch his back. Another long lick and it felt like an honor. Devotion, what his father had chased all his life and was constantly searching for. Remus was being venerated at that moment, and he was sure it was something no one else had ever had the fortune to feel. Grace was present in the room as Sirius's hand came around his waist, his palm pressing Remus back against his mouth harder. Remus crossed his hands behind himself, looking out at the pews. It was full today despite the weather, which had brought rain, but some would say too much. The ground had flooded in some places, and the Keller's house had leaked. He twisted his wrist, bending his hand and skating his fingers along his back. Barely reaching, Remus felt the skin, clear and pristine. There were no welts or raised patches, it was smooth to the touch, like something new and precious. Like a miracle in itself and something that should be acknowledged in church and before God. Remus looked over at his father from where he stood behind him. Seeing his hand reach the side of the pulpit, clutching it tightly. The slight arch of his back and the way his hand shook, paired with the white knuckles and worn red skin, told him all he needed to know. His father was sick, and Remus dug his nail into his back, creating his own burn. Remus stilled in bed, turning in the direction of his father's room. The fire was low, and he could see it as he sat up through the open door. A chair was half obstructing the view and making the orange glow seem even brighter, blue in some spots and red in others. 
It crafted three lines of flames, seen through the back of the chair. The house was silent, the wind outside picking up as he glanced out the window and saw the beginning view of the sunrise. Nothing special, but it was bringing light nonetheless. It was trying. Remus pushed the covers off and lay still, his skin hitting the open air, and he felt something heavy come over him. He was blanketed in the feeling of resistance as he took a ragged breath and sat in bed. It washed through Remus, not over him, fleeing from his body as soon as he placed the emotion. There one moment and gone the next, something with weight, and he took a deep and dense breath. Remus stood, walking towards the doorway, and the world went quiet. It had been silent before, but it was void now. Like everything was suspended, Remus would have assumed all life stopped if he had not been able to take another step. He felt the wrong like a fist to the chest, and he almost staggered back as it invaded his nose and made his fingers prickle. It felt malicious, like physical proof of something else. He looked up at the cross hung above him, planting his feet, and he felt his father turn back to the congregation as Remus's eyes met the rough and uneven wood hung before them all. Sunken eyes and unsteady hands, Remus stood in the doorway of their small kitchen, watching as his father leaned out of the door and emptied his stomach. It was early morning, Remus only having been able to fall asleep for an hour or so more, but the sun had finally risen and brought light with it. The sky was a shade of red that morning, with bands of pure white tossed throughout it where the clouds dared not touch. It was a light that contrasted against the black bile, hitting the stone steps under his father. Splashing against the side of the house and running over the stone, his father was painted in shadows, and what he was being ridden of blended in with it all. Remus took a step back and used the other door. Stepping out onto the front steps, he turned towards the church. His father was sick, and Remus knew what was expected of him. He paused, though, as he rounded their little house, stepping into the damp grass. His last step made a rustling noise, and then it was silent again, his breath visible in front of his face as he drew his coat around him tighter. He was not cold, but the bird was dead. Under his father's window sill, its red comb stood out amongst the pale grass. Remus took a step forward, and the world found sound again. He knelt on the ground, feeling the dew soak through his knees. Upon looking closer, he could see the dark patches of grass where the bird's blood coated them and had dried. It had already begun to rot despite the chill of its wings and the air around them, and Remus drew back at the smell of decaying flesh and sickly decomposition. It was vile, and he suppressed a cough and stood. Remus looked down at the small animal, seeing its chest open and exposed, a bit of bone and flesh catching the light. He made his way to the back of their house, seeing the door closed and his father gone, but the stone was still black, and the bile had already begun to sink into and stain the rough material underneath. He walked past it, slowly making his way to the opposite side of the house, across from his father's and where Remus's own small bedroom window sat. Underneath his was a small heart, clean and nestled in the grass. His father gripped his shoulder as Remus stepped up to the pulpit, smoothing down the back of his shirt. The hand lingered and drew back too slow, but it shook still. Remus cleared his throat and spoke to the vast, honest, and eager eyes of those he knew. 
opened his mouth and spoke pretty words that he had been beaten, then praised for the night before. Cruelty in contrast to kind and gentle fingertips. The color of a red sunrise, compared to the stark white patches of sky. A rotting body, as opposed to a clean heart. The wages that sin pays are death. Remus spoke with a steady tongue. But God's gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, he arched back, feeling serious as lips brush against the inside of his thigh. Something sharp came next in the way of teeth, nipping into his skin and daring to draw blood. You would taste sweet, Sirius mumbled against his skin, mouth hot. But too much has been shed for tonight, and not by my hands. Remus looked past the open door towards the well that sat center of town, unknowing and stoic. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his, Remus's voice faltered on the last word, something high and broken, and he cried out. Purpose. He could feel Sirius's mouth wrapped around his cock, fingers snaking up his leg and pushing his knee further down onto the bed. He let out a sob, and Sirius met his eye. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, Remus took a breath, steadying himself with a hand on the pulpit the same as his father had. The old has gone, the new is here, Remus moaned, feeling his cheek press into the soft fabric of Sirius's bed. It was cool, but his hands on Remus's hips were hot as if they would brand him, sink through his worldly flesh and catch him as he ran between Sirius's fingers. There. He arched into the touch and felt Sirius's cock brush against him again, over and over, torturously slow. Please, Sirius. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, Remus straightened his back, pressing his chest into the edge of the wood in front of him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the. Remus gasped, sobbing out the last words. Holy Spirit. Sirius sunk his teeth into the tender flesh of Remus's back, muffling his own cries as Remus felt him spill inside of him, fill him. He felt the jerk of Sirius's hips and the smoothness of his canines, digging and making a home. A month had passed, and it brought the winter months with it, blanketing the ground with ice and, if they were more fortunate, a layer of snow atop that. Neither was good, but the snow made traveling easier if anyone dared to try and leave. People were cold and unfortunate, and with that brought strife. Remus was standing in the doorway, staring out at the well. Only the top was covered in snow, a thick layer that looked soft, almost warm and inviting, but was solid and had accumulated over time. Each day he left his home, each night he dared walk out the door, there seemed to be more weighing down the small marker. Close the door, you're letting the cold in. His father spoke behind him, and Remus drew away, feeling the air escape one last time as the door shut. He felt it wash over him, and then it was replaced with heat as he turned to press his back against the door. The heat from the lit fire sat in front of him, too hot and threatening to make him sweat when compared to the cool touch of the door on his back. When will they be here? Soon. That was all Remus got in response as his father pushed in one of the chairs around their small table. 
There were six chairs, yet only one person ever sat at the table at any given time. The one at the head of the table, facing the back door, had worn wood underneath it, small carves in the planks from the years spent pushing it in and out. How long will they stay? Remus's father set down the plate, meeting his eye. A few days, you know this. And Remus did. The Pettigrews were from a neighboring village and always chose to visit during the harsher months when travel was hard and purposeless. It eluded Remus, but he spoke nothing of his skepticism because he had nothing to say. They would come and sit at their table. Tom would speak of his own church, pushing his chest out as Remus's father's shoulders drew in on themselves. Amelia, his wife, would preen and coo over Remus and their son Peter, never missing a moment to violently contrast their persons and fortune. It was pitiful, to listen to her voice and watch his father struggle not to break. They arrived when the sun took on a dark haze, turning more orange than anything that time. Greetings were exchanged, and Peter shook his father's hand, gripping it tightly as if to make up for the son his father did not have. Smiles were shared, and questions were asked about the congregation as if Remus did not know those he grew up with. His father was accommodating and pleasant to the family, and Remus thought of his face as he had struck him the night before. Dinner was beef stew, which tasted like water. The Pettigrews did not seem to mind and smiled and thanked his father but ate as if they could find something else to fill their selfish guts. Remus finished his bowl not soon after they sat down for no reason other than something to keep him occupied, his head and his thoughts. The motion of swallowing and nodding as Amelia asked him of his plans was grounding. It was an overarching, prodding question Remus had hated and avoided since he was a young boy. He always waited as she asked, Remus would respond, and then her son would agree and tell of better plans. Two sons sat together in that room, nodding and speaking of the promising future of turning into their father. Remus wondered if Peter's father had ever struck him, and if he had, did he want to leave that part out as he grew into who he was going to be? Remus could not fathom laying a hand on another, be it in a cruel way or as a comfort. Very few had ever shown him comfort, and of that same few, only one deserved it in kind. Remus wanted to ask Peter if he planned to wed, what it was like to look life in the face and accept you had no influence. How did it feel to wake up every morning and not have your mind wander? Did you ever question such things, or are you aware you could question? He wanted to ask if he had ever touched a girl and what her skin felt like. Listen intently and compare it to that of Sirius. Remus wanted to lie his head on the table, tired and full, and ask them all to describe their rage. Instead, he stayed silent, idly dragging his nails across the fabric of his pants under the table, feeling the pills in the material and his knuckles knock against the wood above. Peter has already begun to take over sermons, Tom spoke confidently, full of superiority in higher class. Wednesdays and any afternoon calls. We've been very proud. Wonderful, Remus's father replied, finishing off his bowl. And one of Tom's clergymen, he has a daughter, Amelia spoke softly, reaching over and taking her son's hand across the table. Remus hissed under his breath his knuckle snagging on the rough underside of the table. A splinter embedded itself between his first and second knuckle, and he rubbed the top of his hands on his pants, trying to brush it out. They have met, 
and Tom is quite happy with the arrangement. Remus glanced at Peter's father and then his son and pitied the boy next to him for having something taken from him. As the years went by, it was clear Remus had stayed far behind, but he thought where he was must be more comfortable. Less suffocating. They have another daughter, Tom spoke to Remus's father, leaning back in his chair. She will be of age soon. Her name? Remus's father asked, not sparing Remus a glance. Emma. Emmeline. And they are from a wealthy family. They do well for themselves. They continued to speak of Remus's future as if it was a business arrangement. As if they were trading cattle or discussing nothing more than the coming harvest or who was with child, the recently deceased or those who had fallen ill. Peter kicked Remus under the table, and he briefly looked over. He had never liked the boy but cared very little to dislike. Remus found him sad and not in the emotional sense. More like his place in the world was vague and nothing more than a holder. One of those in the world that was there to inhabit it, nothing more. His cheeks were red from the cold, and Remus was warm and comfortable. Peter found a lull in the conversation and spoke, facing Remus, but his voice was loud enough to carry. Why do you leave late at night? He tilted his head to the side, meeting Remus's eye. To the woods. Remus's hand under the table paused, and his fingers locked. He didn't dare glance at his father but felt his stare nonetheless. I'm not sure what you mean. The woods. I saw you last night and the night before. Remus opened his mouth to respond, but Peter cut him off again. You left in the direction of the old black house. I just thought you should know. The woods can be dangerous at night. Remus felt his jaw tighten, his teeth pressed into each other, and his chest caved. Fear washed over him, and he went cold for the first time in a very long time. He felt it like ice over his body as Peter's mother dropped her spoon into her bowl from a bit too far above. The clattering rang out through the house, and Remus cleared his throat. The cold must be getting to you, he spoke plainly. I do not leave. Remus looked up to the concerned face of Peter's father and the impassively blank face of his own father. Peter's mother looked concerned as if Remus leaving in the evenings affected her, as if she felt any inkling of care towards him because he was the same age as her son. I have no reason to lie, Remus urged them all. I swear on God. Tell me. Remus felt his cheek hit the floor, hands slamming against the grain, and his palms stung as he tried to push himself to stand again. Tell me. He felt the blow to his lower back, and if he had still been wounded from the other night, the skin would have split again, begun to bleed and weep. Remus pushed himself to stand, steadying himself on the table, and his eyes began to water. He turned to his father, lips trembling as he planted his feet. I. Do not lie. His father spat the words at him before he felt the pain in his jaw, head whipping to the side. It made the tears finally fall, and Remus was fearful. Not for himself but for his father. Please stop. He tried to speak again, to explain, but Remus felt his father grab his hair, pulling it back, and then it was another hit to his lower jaw, and he felt his lip split. Blood spilled over, sticking to his chin. 
you've been visiting the black house. You need to stop. Remus begged his father, voice broken. You don't know. He felt his body dragged towards the fireplace, trying his hardest to dig his heels in. It was no use, and Remus's knees buckled as he fell to kneel in front of his father. He watched as his father picked up the trivet sat in front of the hearth. The company you keep is a reflection of our values, his father panted, forehead slick with sweat. His skin looked a yellow hue in the light. Think of that next time you try to go anywhere near that boy. Remus felt the iron hit him across the face, felt the grating surface crack his nose, and cried out. His head was sent back, back arched where he knelt, and as Remus stared at the ceiling, the blood from where his jaw and lip had split ran past his mouth and into his eye. Let's see if he can stand to look at you now. I, for one cannot. He heard the trivet hit the ground, making a clanging noise as it settled against the wood, rocking back and forth. Sleep outside tonight. Remus leaned forward, crudely palming away the blood that was running into his nose and falling from a cut on his head and into his eyes. He was smearing himself with it, but his skin crawled at the feeling of it flowing freely. Prickling against the wind, the blood turned cold as soon as it left his body. With an arm around his middle, he stepped into the woods, bracing himself on a nearby tree before pushing off. He stumbled around the rock and stopped for a moment to steady himself on the bridge. The ground was cold under Remus's feet, but he did not feel it, he only felt the crunch of the snow collapsing under him. His head was pounding, the dark creating shadows where there were none, and he felt slick with sweat. Remus reached up again, pressing a hand against his jaw before entering the clearing. He dug his nails into the skin and bone, willing it to right itself. He dropped his arm, stood before the house, and took a deep breath. The house was covered in snow, all white, with only a few bits of dark wood peeking through, looking like a void and empty space in the night. He stood there as Remus approached, pausing on the first step and looking at Sirius standing above him. Remus could hardly make out that it was Sirius, but his silhouette was haloed by his hair, seemingly darker than the night and only the edges of his person gathered any light from inside the home. Sirius reached back, opening the door behind him, and Remus drew back at the brightness and watched as his face went still. Remus sat on the floor, leaning against the basin. The metal was cool against his back, the wood underneath him hard and unforgiving, and Sirius's hands were unsteady. I was asleep, sweet boy. Sirius started as he drew the rag over Remus's face. It's okay. It is not. I should have known that. Please, Remus nearly sobbed, not caring to hear apologies where they would do no good. He wanted to hear pretty words, caring words, and apologies need not ever slip past Sirius's teeth, for he never did a thing wrong. It is not your fault. I said I would always take care of you. Sirius rose, reaching behind Remus and cleaning the rag. His hair brushed Remus's cheek as he wrung it out, and he shuddered, leaning into the soft touch. And I did not. You are taking care of me right now. Remus turned his head, letting the strands run over his nose, soothing and familiar. Sirius always smelled of the woods, something earthy but inviting. I shouldn't have to be. 
But you are, have, and always do. What can I do? Sirius asked, setting the rag on the floor and taking Remus's face in his hands. Knelt before him, Remus brought his hands away from Sirius's knees, pressing them against his cheeks. He felt Sirius's jaw shake under his touch and hated it. Is it that bad? Remus spoke softly, wishing to see what he looked like. He wanted to see the harm, what his father had thought fit to give him. What a trivet was capable of when wielded in such a way, and whether or not he would hate to look at the small object the rest of his life. No, sweet boy, Sirius shook his head, brushing a thumb over the open skin on Remus's nose, and it stung something unpleasant. Nothing that cannot be fixed, if you would like. Heal it, Remus nodded, a tear slipping out of his eye as Sirius's finger pressed into the cut further. But leave it, the scar. Sirius looked hesitant but like he thought nothing less of Remus or had any qualms with having to look at the mark. It was warming as if he was happy to oblige Remus in any way. It was a softness in the wake of something dangerous, and Remus felt cared for like he only ever did in that home. Remus turned over in the small bed, facing Sirius. His hand picked up a piece of his hair and watched as the moonlight bled through the strands before he dropped it. Remus's jaw ached but did not hurt. Sirius kissed the middle of his neck, dragging his tongue slowly across the skin. Over and over again, it was something possessive and sick, the marking of Remus for his own. He felt Sirius's spit cool on his skin, sink in, and the night was witness to a claim of ownership. Life is thoughtless, Remus spoke tenderly to Sirius, confessing. For creating such a horrible world. You think the world bad? Sirius murmured against his skin, pushing his shoulder and moving over Remus, hovering close. His nose brushed his slick skin again, and he heard Sirius inhale. Remus felt their noses brush as he moved up and tilted his head into Sirius's touch. Always. You are of this world. Remus managed a small smile, thrown out on the end of a low gasp. And I am bad, am I not? Everything but, sweet boy, Sirius said. Not when you smile like that. Only for you. I pity everyone else then, Sirius ran his hand down Remus's chest. For what they do not get to see. The pastor that came to visit, his son, Remus swallowed, tilting his head back to stare at the bare ceiling. It was made of stone, and it would be there long after Remus was gone despite the cracks that ran through. He told the table that he had seen me going into the woods. And what did you say? I swore on God that I was not, that he was sick from the cold, and his head was mistaken. Sirius looked up then, a broad grin on his face. You lie for me. I like lying, Remus offered up, feeling a bit hazed from the look in Sirius's eye and his breath fanning across his stomach. His eyes were wider than usual, something unnatural in them. Pupils blown wide and dark, there was very little gray that Remus could see. It makes me feel like I know something everyone else does not. Sirius nodded, pulling Remus further down the bed before placing a kiss below his navel. There are whole worlds out there, much better than this one. Please, Remus sighed, feeling Sirius's fingers trace over his length through his pants. Ask, sweet boy. 
All I could think about was you. When? Every moment I am awake, and sometimes as I sleep. Sirius looked up at him as he pulled Remus's pants down before sitting up to remove his own shirt. I stay in this world for you, Sirius whispered, leaning to take Remus in his mouth. He licked along his length before drawing up, tilting his head to the side as their eyes met. I find little else worth my precious time. Time, Remus sighed, a hand threading through Sirius's hair as he tilted down again. All the time in the world, if you'd like. Remus nodded, tilting his hips up into Sirius's mouth. The pace was slow as if time was truly anything but fleeting, and instead of having an abundance, there was no time. As if it stopped, and Sirius could will it to begin again when he wished. But not right now. His tongue was hot, lips something wicked as they drugged down Remus's cock. Sirius's other hand lay gently on his leg, palm pressing into his skin, running along his thigh. Remus gasped as he felt himself press against the back of Sirius's throat, who swallowed around him, humming. More, Remus panted, brushing the hair away from Sirius's face to look into his eyes. Please. Sirius drew away from him and sat back on his heels, and Remus watched as a trail of spit connected them for a brief moment in time before it broke, and the clock started again. He watched as Sirius took his pants off, landing somewhere near the side of the bed. He came to straddle Remus again, looking down at him and smiling. Can I ask of something in return? For what? Remus got out as he struggled to take a breath, feeling himself slide against Sirius's cock as he rocked his hips forward. Do you trust me? Always. Need to make my sweet boy feel better, Sirius whispered, lifted up, grabbing Remus's cock and spitting on it. It landed on the tip and ran down the side, and Remus felt his lower stomach tense. I want to feel you. Remus let out a shallow exhale as he felt him sink down, felt Sirius envelop him slowly. His head was thrown back, a hand braced on Remus's chest, nails digging and cutting into the skin, but the sting was gone a moment later. He looked down and saw Sirius's nails dug into his chest, breaking the skin, and there was the sight of blood but no pain. Fuck. Remus choked out, hands reaching to grasp Sirius's waist tightly. Oh, fuck. Pretty fucking words, Sirius spit out, smiling to himself as he stared up at the ceiling. His stomach clenched, and Remus let out a breath as he bottomed out, feeling Sirius's full weight on him. I want to hear them, taste them. Remus could only whimper as Sirius rocked his hips forward, both hands falling to Remus's chest. His hair fanned across his skin, and Remus reached up, pushing it back and away from his face, cradling the back of his head. Sirius's mouth was parted, eyes fluttering, and his jaw slack, pure bliss. It looked like heaven on earth. It was something precious, careful and balanced. They had never done this, and Remus had never considered it, but it felt like everything was coming around. Like drawing up a stick after tracing a circle in the muddy and soaked ground. Tell me, Sirius sighed, adjusting before drawing up, leaning back, and bracing his hands on Remus's legs behind him. How much you hate this world. I hate it, Remus gasped as Sirius rolled his hips, forcing Remus's cock further into him. 
what little do you have here, more than yourself? You, he spoke honestly as he gripped Sirius tighter, pulling him forward, and he heard Sirius moan, something breathless and urgent. Sweet boy, Sirius looked down, grinning. I can be anywhere. You're here, Remus urged because he felt Sirius everywhere at the moment. He brought a hand up, brushed his thumb across Sirius's jaw, and watched him tilt his head, taking Remus's thumb into his mouth. He bit down lightly as he rocked his hips again, faster this time as he lifted. Would you follow me, anywhere? Sirius gasped as Remus brought his hips up to match the twist of his own, meeting him somewhere in the middle. Sirius grinned again, all shining white teeth in the dim light, and brought a hand around to push against Remus's hips, pinning him to the bed. Tell me, Sirius lifted again before settling back down onto Remus's cock, repeatedly setting a slow but devastating pace that had Remus's mouth falling open and his eyes threatening to close. Anywhere, Remus nodded, trying his hardest to lift his hips, but Sirius's grip on his hip was painful, his thumb digging into the tender flesh above the bone. Wherever you go. You'd let me have you. Remus nodded, knees bending and pushing Sirius further onto him. You have me. You are mine. It was not a question and more a statement. A fact. Something written into the walls around them and dug into their skin where Sirius bruised his bone, and Remus dug his nails into Sirius's waist. All yours. Say it, say you are mine. I am yours, Remus cried out as Sirius picked up the pace, lifting and pushing himself further onto Remus as he settled, each time drawing out a short breath from his lips. Love is a worldly concept, Sirius choked out, falling forward again, and Remus moved his hands to his back, feeling the muscles flex as he ground down onto his cock. What I feel for you. Sirius's grip on Remus's hip faltered, and he lifted his hips, gasping as Sirius did when he thrust up roughly. What I feel for you, sweet boy, Sirius glanced up, meeting Remus's eye, pausing. Is something much more abstract than pretty words given to a fleeting feeling. And the way the moonlight painted Sirius's face promised that those words were true. That Remus could not comprehend what Sirius said because he was worldly and, therefore, could not grasp the severity of the confession, but he understood it the best he could. Sirius's eyes were wide, the whites brighter than the moon outside, and his lips flushed something darker than they had ever been after Remus kissed him to tell him that he loved him all their years together. Remus felt the tightening in his lower stomach as Sirius brought both his hands and braced them on his hips. He cried out as Sirius took more of him, slowly drawing up as he settled back down, grinding his hips further into Remus. They both gasped as Remus lifted, burying himself as far as he could into Sirius, to try and make him feel how much he loved him. Say it again. Sirius panted, breath heavy as he looked up and met Remus's eyes. His were wide, glossed over. His chest was flushed, pink spreading over his skin that looked pale as the snow outside in the little light, and Remus watched Sirius dart his tongue out, ghosting over his bottom lip. Please, sweet boy. He pleaded, and Remus could do nothing but give in as he felt himself creeping closer and closer to that edge. I am yours. Yours. Remus brought a hand up, 
gripping his shoulder as he felt Sirius take his cock in hand, thumb brushing over the tip. I need. His thrusts were frantic, and he was enthralled at how Sirius took him, back arching as he begged for what Remus was giving him. Dabo tibi omnia caevis, Sirius hissed as his hips shifted, and Remus brought his other hand to his chest, digging his thumb into Sirius's stomach as he felt him tighten. Dulcis puer meus. Please, Remus moaned, throwing his head back before he felt it yanked back up, Sirius's hand in his hair. He brought his forehead to Remus's, pressing into his sweat-slick skin. Fuck. Sirius swore into Remus's mouth, his hair brushing against his chest. His lips were slick with spit, and Remus flicked his tongue out, tasting him. Remus's eyes were wide, watching Sirius's brows draw together as his hips pushed and pulled one more time before he felt Sirius spill over onto his stomach, painting him in his release. Remus came a moment later, back arched and neck bared as he looked into Sirius's eyes. Remus felt the bunch of his shirt under his back and a warm arm wrapped around his shoulders and behind his knees. Suspended but grounded, the ever-so-slight shake of the world made him sigh. Hair brushed over his face, swaying in time with their steps. His head was tilted back, resting against a firm body, and the trees above were doing their best to hide them from the dawn that was breaking. Remus felt the cold touching his fingertips with soft breaths but not soaking in. It was all warmth, and the forest was silent. He curled his head further into the neck, his bottom lip drawing down as he pushed his nose against a rapid pulse. His hot breath was trapped between his lips and the skin, and he smiled. I'm so sorry, he heard, and Remus nodded to himself, warm and content. It was silent before the voice spoke again, pretty words traded between them for all of eternity, it seemed. I'm so sorry, but I cannot let this go. Chapter 3 Content and Trigger Warnings Mass Animal Death Blood Body Mutilation and Death, to Peter and later Remus's father Crosses and Nails are Involved Body Horror Physical Abuse Waterboarding Slash Almost Drowning Mass Death Broken Bones and Torture Sex, and Blowjob Incest, I've tagged this as Remus's father is alive and there when Sirius and Remus have sex. Blood kink slash blood as lube, body mutilation in the form of Sirius cutting Remus's back. Church burning, and everyone inside of it. General religious debauchery and misuse of Bible verses and everything holy. Chapter 3 It was the sound of the spirit leaving the body but life staying. Steadfast and pushing on through the rapid beating of a heart the moment before it stopped, an illusion of death but dying nonetheless. Exorcising the body of the present terror, something loud and piercing. Hollow and wrought, it was shrill and choked. Remus opened his eyes when he heard the second scream, the first blending into his mind. It had hardly registered. He could feel the indents on his back from where he had been resting against the side of his house since the early morning sun. His pants were soaked and wet, but he could not feel the chill over the sound coming from the village. Remus stared ahead, seeing the other homes lined up, creating something perfect, cutting the world in half. To his left was their town, 
split down the middle with everything to the right open field and bare land. The pins were empty, not a sound to be heard from the animals that were not there. He stood on shaky legs, leaning back against the house, and felt his spine crack. It was a heavy snap, and then he straightened, shaking his limbs but felt nothing other than the sleep leaving his body. Remus's hands were bare, with no splinters in his palms. His jaw was smooth to the touch, nothing out of place, and everything was where it should have been. The sun was high in the sky, and there was still screaming. He took a step forward, but his footsteps were drowned out by voices, speaking over one another, growing louder as they overlapped, and he rounded the side of his home. His father ran past him, out of their home, and Remus stepped back to avoid colliding with him, pausing as fear crept into his body, but he froze a moment later as another wail cut through the air. They filled the town, littered across the ground. Some were being stepped on, and others were choosing to step around them. Remus watched as a woman who lived a few houses down ran forward, crushing the neck of the bird under her foot. Its head turned to the side, and its neck was flat as her foot was brought up. All the fowls, it seemed as if every bird in town, was lying lifeless on the ground. Piled up in some spots, sparse in others, but it was all of them, still. Had to have been. There was no blood in the snow under most, but Remus could tell the ones who had been mangled after death. Their tiny bodies were crushed under the weight of panic, and those were the ones who painted the ground red and had lost feathers. Remus watched as his father stepped over a handful before pushing forwards, snapping a few necks of his own, and he followed his movements to the church across town. Doors to homes were slamming, children were being rushed inside, and Amelia Pettigrew was bargaining with God. Peter was strung up on the church, high above the air, and on the old wooden cross that had sat above the front doors Remus's entire life, the only thing that distinguished it as a place of worship over the other buildings scattered around. Remus stopped as his bare feet took another step forward and felt the snow covering the town center under them. He swayed in place, gripping the small banister attached to the stairs leading to his own home. Peter's back was carved open, and he was turned toward the cross, face hidden from those screaming at him. His back had been sliced open, hands pinned to the building with large iron nails driven through his wrists. There was symmetry in the blood that trailed down the church from each hand, the left side winning and being closer to dripping into grass than the right. Remus could see from where he was that his weight had threatened to drop him, and the nails had sunken further into his skin as his weight threatened to drag him down. It was an artfully carved and displayed moment of death. One Remus could have never fathomed. His ribs, white and protruding, sat evenly on either side of his back, cracked open and looking like wings. His lungs, and what Remus assumed was the inside of him, were on full display where the cavity his ribs would have usually protected was bare to the world. The skin of his back lay limp behind his ribs, and he was exposed, open and exposed for all to see. Remus took another step forward and felt something soft touch his hand. Looking over, he did a double take at the buzzard on the railing next to him. With a brush of his hand over the feathers, he didn't dare tear his gaze away from Peter's body as he moved forward, passing the well. My boy. Get him down. Another buzzard was perched on the church as Remus looked further up, watching as it flung something from its mouth. 
It hit the ground and rolled a moment before he heard another harsh sob, and Peter's body dropped. It hit the ground with a loud crack, jarring everyone around, and Remus's eyes went wide. The rib snapped upon impact, some breaking off and landing a few feet away from his body on the church steps, rocking a bit as they settled back on earth. It was a wet and disgusting sound that turned everyone silent. Remus pushed past a few townspeople, eyes red with tears, nose red from the cold and crying, who had their hand over their mouth, silent for the recently departed. His steps were hesitant on the ground, the snow that had collected becoming compacted into ice from all the footsteps. What did they do? Amelia Pettigrew screamed, body hunched over Peter's, knees smearing the blood on the stone under her. She was covered as she picked him up in her arms, another scream leaving her body as her hands wrapped around him and were met with a wet and empty cavity. Remus looked over, mouth slightly parted in shock, and watched as his father tore his eyes away from Peter's father, who was standing at the foot of the stairs, stock still and white, looking colder than the weather or chill could ever make him. Remus's father bent down, picking up a Bible discarded on the bottom step, half falling off and hidden amongst the dry grass. Remus swallowed as he saw the nail before following down the rounded end to where it was buried in the worn leather. His mouth parted in disbelief, seeing the tongue nailed into it a moment before Peter's mother gasped, and Remus's eyes were drawn to her, pulling out a bloody and crumpled piece of paper from Peter's throat. Remus took a step closer, and she spoke through choked sobs. James 1. A wail, and Peter's father took a step forward. 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. His father's eyes met his, and he glanced down. The shock was tangible, and Remus froze. They looked at each other as everyone began to scream again, as if the grief could bring back the dead and piece Peter's body back together. Remus looked at the white linen he was wearing that was covered in blood before taking in his own hands, brought in front of him where not even a scrape from the underside of the dinner table remained. His feet were bare, and Remus was warm. Everyone was crying and shivering, the only thing keeping them outside being the horrors they were witnessing. Remus watched his father's mouth move, watched it form the word, and for the first time, he felt the cold. Which? Remus took a step back, glancing behind him where the fields met the trees, and he heard his father speak up, louder this time but still drowned out by the chaos around them. Which? He looked around and watched his father raise a shaky and pointed finger in Remus's direction. A few people turned, hearing the broken voice of their pastor speaking amongst the disorder, sure and strong and grounding. They followed his outstretched hand, and their eyes found Remus. Him. And it was clear then who he was speaking of as a few people standing close to Remus turned, fear present in their eyes as they flitted between him and Peter's mother, who was howling and trying her hardest to wipe her son's blood off her hands and knees. The people scrambled away from Remus, fear taking over, before they turned, narrowing their eyes and looking at their pastor. It caused a scene, and as people rushed away, more turned until it was Remus standing with his back against the well, and those he knew surrounded him. His father's voice cut through the air one more time, ripped through the grief, and allowed it something to latch onto. Which? 
And in the silence, Remus looked up, seeing the bird gone that had been perched on the church. He turned his head and found the empty railing on his home. Someone lunged forward and grabbed his arm, and the screaming resumed as if time had been suspended and everyone was allowed to take another breath. It was a tug on his right arm and then his left. Someone kicked at the side of his knee, and he buckled, shoulder blade hitting against the sharp stone of the well. Remus cried out, trying to pull away but felt his skin being tugged instead. Take him to the church. Remus gasped, feeling his back shoved, and he tripped forward, being caught under his arm as someone began to drag him along. His heels dug into the snow and stone underneath him, but it was no use. He felt the tug of his skin as he was pushed in every direction toward the church. Peter's mother was screaming as Remus's foot caught on the dead birds under them all, and it was unintelligible and sharp. His father's words and instructions were present but drowned out by those pulling him. He felt the first tear of skin on his arm as they made it to the front steps, at the same time, his knees gave out, and he felt them scrape against the bottom step. Remus's shin was torn open on the second, and he managed to brace a hand on the ground for a moment on the third, stopping him from falling forward. He turned to push back against those behind him, but they gripped him tighter and flung him forward. Remus hit the ground and his knees smacked against the wood, echoing in the empty church. He only had a moment to catch his breath, letting out a choked sob as his father pushed past him before Remus was picked up again. His head fell forward, and he felt his foot catch one of the pews, the sound of it dragging against the floor masked by the rapid speaking of those carrying him under his arms towards the dais. The holy water. Something must be done. Peter was. Remus lifted, only having a moment to see his reflection in the side of the metal basin before his head was shoved into the water, and he began to choke. Someone let go of his arm, and Remus's hand gripped the cool edge his shoulder pushing back and trying to raise his head, but there were firm hands on the back of his neck. His throat bit into the rim, and his mouth opened of its own volition, causing him to swallow the water. He felt it swell through his lungs, seeking space to invade a moment before the back of his hair was pulled, and he choked out a lung full of water and open air. The world was loud, the sound of footsteps and running and prayers threading through the tall rafters. Against the wickedness and snares of the devil. Remus's neck was shoved down again, and his air was cut off on the basin's edge before he could take another breath. He felt his nose press against the bottom, and he blew out what little air he had in his lungs, feeling it bubble and escape above him. His head was forced up again. Spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Remus could take a breath that time but it was punched out as he felt a hand come around his waist and squeeze. His hand was knocked away from the edge, and he was lifted, pushed further into the water. Remus brought his elbow back, landing a blow on the person to his left, and was able to lift his face just enough to hear his father's words cut through the sound of his choking. The only one that can help him now is the Lord. Murmurs around, interrupted by more wails as Remus's hand slipped and he fell under again. It was silent, and he struggled to grasp anything to lift his head once more because of the water running down his neck and over his fingers. He found the edge in silence, and when he pulled up, there was screaming once more. Guttural, not out of passion but fear. 
The cries were loud despite being muffled. False cords and Remus's ears were filled with water, drowning them out. He leaned forward, feeling the hands that had been gripping him fall away, and something knocked against his leg as he choked, sputtering the water out of his lungs. It burned and ran out of his nose and ears. Remus brought a shaky hand up, pushing the hair from his face, and let out another sob, blowing out through his nose and making his eyes burn. He froze in the silence and turned, his hand going to steady himself on the tub, but he slipped, tipping the whole thing over, and Remus almost fell as the holy water washed over the floor. Over the bodies on the floor, some still and some writhing. Remus's eyes were wide, his chest heaving as he fell back, catching his hands on the floor and splashing water onto the face next to him, lying on its back, eyes open and unseeing at the ceiling above. The water ran over the person's face, washing away the blood from his eyes and nose. The body next to that one was also cleaned, the holy water washing away the blood from her nose and ears. He looked up and saw Sirius a moment before Remus cried out, dragged up by his arms again, trying to balance himself and stand. He only managed to splash more water, washing away more blood on lifeless or twitching faces. I know what you are, his father spoke behind him, adjusting his grip under Remus's arms, nails cutting into the skin of his shoulders. I know what you did. And it was as if he spoke it to Sirius but also Remus. Lyle Lupin said it to whoever was listening at that moment as if he needed one last chance to preach to his congregation and stake claim over his knowledge of more than most. Remus felt his father gaze downward, watching the wood below them turn a dark brown color where the water began to seep into it. Remus felt his wet hair in his mouth, sticking to the side of his face, and Sirius looked down as well, watching it slowly crawl toward him. Stay back, his father spit out, taking a step away and pulling Remus onto the first step of the dais. Sirius was silent, mouth parted as he met Remus's wide eyes, he looked down and saw his wet and heaving chest, where his shirt was drenched and stuck to his skin. He took in Remus's torn pants and where the blood from the night before had turned pink and spread throughout the fibers. His father brought his hand up, fingers gripping Remus's chin, and shook him roughly as his knees buckled once more. This is who you worship. Remus was still unsure who he spoke to but was shaken again and finally answered. His voice wrecked, and he spat more water out as the word left his mouth. Yes. Sirius took a step forward, tilting his head to the side and searching Remus's eyes. He walked like a predator, like Remus was seeing what the animals that passed saw in the dark of night before they were killed. When they would wake up the following day and flies would have already swarmed their body. His father stiffened behind him, fingers relaxing slightly on his jaw, as Sirius walked through the water. It did nothing to him as it had done to Remus. A humorless laugh left his father. Where is God in this house? You. Remus tried to speak, to tell his father to let go of him, but was cut off as his head was pulled back, and he gasped. You do not tell me what to do when you dirty the air around you just by speaking. He dragged Remus further toward the back of the church, and Sirius matched their steps, still silent and eyes trained on Remus. His stare was void and one Remus had seen before. He twisted in his father's grip but was held firm, and fear swelled in his gut for the first time. 
you've come down with a sickness, have you not? Sirius's voice was quiet, airy at that moment. He sounded ethereal, like an angel come to ask of something simple, forgivable. Luring and lilting, laced with comfort as if he was willing trust out of his father. He tilted his head to the other side, tearing his eyes away from Remus and meeting his father's as he spoke slowly. You look ill. It was you, his father spat as Remus started thrashing, needing to get to Sirius and throwing himself forward. He was pulled back, though, arms aching as he heard the pulpit threaten to knock over behind them both. You were in our home. Remus lifted his knee, attempting to kick back into his father, but fell forward a moment before he could land a blow. He heard his father's cry cut through the air as he collapsed but didn't wait another moment before pushing himself down the few stairs, landing on his hands and knees in the water. It splashed into his face and was a faint pink color. Remus coughed it out as Sirius reached a hand out, helping him to stand. He took it and felt Sirius pull him to his feet, legs unsteady, chest tight as he tried to catch his breath and steady his mind. Roughly wiping away the water on his face and mouth, Remus looked wide-eyed at Sirius before he turned around and saw his father on his knees before his pulpit. His arm cradled against his chest, he looked up at them both, and his eyes were large and matching Remus's. He could see the blood trailing around his nose, dripping onto the floor underneath him from where it ran from his fear-filled eyes. I am many places, I'm not sure what you speak of, father, Sirius's voice was something sickly sweet, and it made his father stutter as much as it made something swell in Remus. You dare call me that after what you've done to him. You dare call yourself his father after you lay a hand on him. Sirius took a step forward, his hand finding Remus's as he pulled him ahead behind him. I've done nothing to him, but that cannot be said about you, no. You leave him alone, his father shouted, and as they got closer, Remus could see his arm, the bone peeking out through the skin of his wrist. It was jagged and pale, much like Peter's had been. You leave us alone. Peter. He was a rat that shoved his nose where it should not have been, Sirius tugged his arm, leaning down to meet his father's eye as Remus stood, holding his hand. Much like you are, father, voicing things you have no business speaking of. How dare you! For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality, Sirius raised his voice and leaned his head on Remus's shoulder, glancing up at him, smiling. I could let him run, my sweet boy. Remus nodded his head softly because he had known. Somewhere deep down, he had known this would come one day. It had been threatening his father and hanging over his head for many years. Death, no matter the cause. Judgment, no matter the outcome. Sirius just happened to be the one meant to deliver. He is your nothing, his father sneered, standing on shaky legs and walking towards them. He tripped on the last step, stumbling, but before he could get close enough, he let out a cry. He looked down, watching as his father's leg snapped, another bone exposed where it should not have been. Sirius straightened up, glancing at Remus before walking towards the pulpit. He stepped over his father, and Remus watched as the man he once looked up to cowered in fear. Sweet boy, you remember what we spoke of the night before. We spoke of many things, Remus said, and his voice was rough but steady. 
He paused, thumb ghosting over the top of Sirius's hand. Life is thoughtless for creating such a horrible world. Remus looked up, watching as Sirius leaned down behind the pulpit, retrieving a small basket. He met Remus's eye as he crouched next to his father, pushing a lock of hair behind his ear. Close and true, but not quite. Do you trust me? Always, Remus repeated the word he had said the night before, feeling the same conviction in his soul despite speaking it in a moment of horror. He glanced around at the bodies strewn across the floor and his father struggling to stand. All the bodies lie still, soaking what the church could not. The floor was dark red in some spots and swirling, the water wetting the bottom of most of the pews and spilling out onto the front steps of the building. The building was bathed in light, and his father wailed again. Remus let go of his hand but stayed close to Sirius, letting him do as he saw fit. An ally and a witness to the judgment and death he was meant to give. Sirius reached down, fighting off his father's hands, and hauled him to his feet, dragging him up the steps under his arms. As if he weighed nothing, Remus grimaced as his father's leg turned sideways, and he trailed blood behind him. It soaked into the rough floors under them, turning them black, and Sirius spoke again. Tell me you know you speak of blasphemy, and maybe I will fix your broken and desolate body, father. Sirius threw him to the ground, stepping over his broken body before roughly shoving the pulpit towards the back wall underneath the cross. Sirius looked small, standing before the thing, but the way his father had begun to cry made Remus understand that he was aware of the severity of the situation, and that he should have heeded his warnings. Remus could do nothing but stand and watch, a foreign sense of retribution and pride swelling somewhere deep down and unknown. Sirius leaned over his father, a grin on his face as he pressed his hand against his broken leg, thumbing at the tip of the bone. You didn't find my display of affection heartwarming this morning? I worked so hard. You vile filth. A shame, Sirius cut off the man, pulling him up by his broken arm. Remus thought he looked a lot like the small ragdoll that Anna had carried around when she was a child, limp and pliable. His body was slack, the leg that was not broken was trying to push him away, but it was of no use. Sirius grabbed the small basket and set it on the pulpit. Will you bring me a pew? Sirius spoke to Remus but did not turn, his gaze focused on his father's eyes. His voice was low, something sinister. Remus's feet carried him forward, his mind trying to understand what would happen. There was fear, but he felt it misplaced. He met his father's eye as he cried out in pain again, and it disgusted him. There was fear in Lyle's eyes, but more than anything, there was unwavering distaste as he looked at Remus moments before his death. Not a breath of anything remorseful, Remus reached over, grabbed one of the smaller pews, and walked it over to Sirius. He set it next to the pulpit and took a step back, watching as Sirius stepped onto it, dragging his father's body under the arm until he stood eye-level with the cross on the wall. He hauled him up, forcing him to stand on his broken and bloody leg. Remus's father took a steadying breath, and it began. God of power, protect me from the spirit of evil and guard us all against error and sin, his father whimpered as Sirius grabbed his wrist, wrenching his arm up and holding it against the wall so that they may become the temple of your Holy Spirit. Lul tue parale sono inutile, 
Sirius hissed in his face quickly before reaching into the basket and pulling out nails and a small hammer. Dove il tuo dio adesso? His last word was punctuated by a nail driving into his father's wrist. Remus could hear it strike into the wood, the sound ringing through the church but overshadowed by his father's scream. The cries sounded wet, and it was something beautiful. Carrying through the air and into his ears, in one and out the other, they floated into the town's open air, loud enough to be heard by everyone if there had been anyone. Remus watched his father's legs buckle before he wailed again, his weight tearing the skin where the nail was embedded. Confirm what we profess in faith, his father's words were labored but strong. So that our words may not be empty. Sirius paused, waiting for him to finish speaking the words that were doing nothing to save him. The other nail found a home in his broken wrist, but further down, piercing his father's forearm, and Sirius stepped back, watching Remus's father's body sag from the weight fully as Peter's had. Be thankful, Sirius gripped Lyle's chin, forcing his head up. I could gut you as I did him, show the world your filthy insides. Lord our God, my son. Your son is not yours. You regard him as your property but treat him as waste. That is not how you care for a child, Sirius spat. You should know this, father. You will not take. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Sirius said gravely, shaking his father's chin as he spoke, letting go of it roughly. He stepped down, shoving the pew over, and it landed on the ground, the noise reverberating off the high ceilings. Sirius looked up at Remus's father, face composed before nailing both of his legs to the wall as well, and Remus could hear the nail scrape the bone. His father's screaming barely cancelled it out, and he was pleading, begging God to save him. Remus looked around, noting nothing of importance appearing. There was no God in that church, just a false man who had come to face his mistakes. If anything, it was penance in its most basic form. You dare touch him. Remus's father's words were slurred, slow, and he tried to catch his breath and speak through the pain. Blood was spat out of his mouth as he whispered, shaking his head, and Remus stepped forward, watching it hit the floor underneath him. Sirius grinned, shoving the pulpit over and stepping down the stairs. He came to stand in front of Remus, cradling his chin in his hands. You're hurt. They dragged me. And they only lived for as long as it took me to get here, sweet boy. Sirius leaned forward, pressing a kiss to Remus's forehead. I told you last night that I could not let this go on. Get away from him. Sirius turned, his face cold as they both looked up at his father. Your heart would stop sooner than you'd bleed out if I told you what I did with him, how I touch him. Remus swayed into Sirius's touch on his lower back, which was soft in contrast. He tried to imagine what it must be like, to be his father at that moment, and couldn't comprehend the pain. Leaning his head on Sirius's shoulder, Remus reached a hand up, noting the back of his head was bleeding. Your eyes would roll back, and your soul would turn black if you knew of the sweet noises he makes for me every night. No, his father yelled. You would beg me to end your miserable life if you knew how sweet your boy is when he's bent over for me, screaming and pleading for more. Sirius turned back to Remus. And you love it so much, 
don't you, sweet boy? Yes, Remus whispered. I think there are few things more heavenly than pleasure, do you not, father? Is that not what you speak of? They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Sirius stepped forward to stand beside Remus's father, looking up at him. Is that not how you speak of heaven? Where the divine, surely a man who has spoken to God like yourself, must end up. Please. The first plea left Remus's father's mouth, and it was foul. It was humiliating. A moment where his father was not trusting in God but pleading with the evil in front of him. In an instant it was a reversal of faith when faced with death. You are wrong. That word sounds pitiful coming from your lips, Sirius sneered dismissively, turning away. You seek heaven but will find there is none. Sirius pulled Remus forward, brushing his hair away from his face as he leaned down to kiss him. Licking into his mouth, Sirius groaned as he tasted the metallic sour of blood that had been spilled. Remus glanced towards his father as Sirius leaned down to run his tongue along his neck, roughly tilting his head back and scraping his teeth over the sensitive skin of his shoulder. Remus let out a breathy moan, and his father screamed once more. Please, Sirius spoke against his skin, mocking. Your son makes that word sound so beautiful as I watch my cock disappear inside him, yet you make it sound little more than nothing. The way he falls apart for me. Sirius's hand ghosted over Remus's length in his pants before he felt the grin spread across his skin. I've seen much, but everything pales in comparison. Sirius paused, slowly glancing up at his father. Your words hold no weight, father. You, of all people, should know that. His father's wails were thick and sickly sounding, throaty, and choked. He was writhing, but the nails held firm, and he was witness to it all. Would you like to see it? What true faith looks like? Remus's father leaned forward and screamed again, face turning red, blood slipping from his mouth and slinging around. Sirius paid it no mind and leaned into Remus's ear. Can I have you, sweet boy? Always, Remus breathed out, melting into his touch as he felt Sirius laugh, something wicked and malicious. It was sweet, and he felt safe, his mind was full of something dark but something more, as if Sirius had him and Remus knew no harm would come to him, despite the air in the church holding horrible promises. Sirius turned him, pressing his lips to the back of Remus's neck as he walked them both towards the steps of the dais. A hand skated down Remus's front, gripping him tightly in his pants, and Remus gasped, leaning his head against Sirius's shoulders as he sunk to his knees on the step. If you don't wish to see, I'd suggest you pray harder for your God to come to take you, Sirius leaned over Remus, tilting his head to the side and licking up his face, collecting the blood on his tongue and humming. Il piu dolce. Remus felt Sirius's chest press against his back, sticking the wet fabric of his shirt closer to his skin. His head slotted in the crook of Remus's neck, and he felt Sirius's fingers trace over his waistband before dipping below, grasping his cock tightly. He gasped, Sirius's hand warm. He ghosted his thumb over the tip, pressing a kiss into Remus's neck. What do you see, sweet boy? I. Remus choked out, eyes rolling as Sirius began to move his hand faster. 
A false prophet. So good, Sirius nodded, his hair brushing against Remus's face, and as always, he leaned into the touch, closing his eyes as he listened. And what do they say about false prophets? Beware of false prophets. Remus couldn't think as Sirius removed his hand, spitting on it before grasping his cock again. He opened his mouth to speak but moaned before finally gathering his words, who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The words were rushed and breathy, but Sirius seemed delighted, and Remus smiled, something languid and soft at the praise. He met his father's eyes, staring in horror at what was happening before him. And what do they say about men who lie a hand on another child of God? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Clever and sweet boy, Sirius ran the flat of his hand over Remus's cock, and his hips bucked, palms pressing into the floor of the church, going numb. Do you think what I did was fair? Was it an eye for an eye? He hurt you, so I hurt him. If you'd like a tooth as well, I will gladly give you one, as many as you want. Remus could only shake his head, feeling the tightening in his lower stomach as he pressed back into Sirius's hips. Need you? Ask, sweet boy. You know I will give it to you. Please, want to feel you, he felt lightheaded from Sirius, who he felt everywhere, and the blood loss. From the bodies lying on the floor, witness to it all, and above all else, the air in the church. It had taken on a heaviness he had only ever felt one other time, in his own home the other evening, but it was mixed with something pleasant. There was a freshness to the air that ran through Remus's body at the same time the wrongness did. The wrong left, but the divine stayed. Do you think God has arrived yet? Sirius yelled at his father as he wrapped a hand around Remus's neck, pulling him to his knees. An unintelligible mumble came from his father, who only managed to shake his head, squeezing his eyes shut. I think he has, and you may shut your eyes, but you will still listen, to what devotion and reverence sound like. Sirius laughed, and it was music to Remus's ears. God's here, and he's angry. Sirius kissed Remus's shoulder before sinking to his knees before him. Remus was met with his father's face before Sirius grasped his cock in hand and licked down his length. But I promise you I am angrier. Remus's hands shot forward, fingers threading through Sirius's hair, at the same time, his eyes squeezed shut, overcome with the wet feel of Sirius's tongue on him and the taste of blood in his mouth. It was a heady mixture that had him moving his hips in time with Sirius's mouth, and he groaned as Sirius took him entirely. Sirius pulled back, and his tongue circled Remus's tip. You think this vile father? Please, Remus begged, and he sounded pitiful. Like his father had earlier, but it was from pleasure, from being treasured and brought before ultimate undoing. I wish you could understand, Sirius brushed his lips over Remus's hip bone. How wrong you are. Sirius, Remus whined. Isn't he just the sweetest, and all for me? Remus could feel Sirius's hands skate down his thighs, nails dragging over the skin softly. His knees threatened to give way as he felt Sirius swallow around his cock, but he leaned over, eyes flitting back to his father, mouth parted when he took in his father's blank stare at the ceiling. 
Sirius brought a hand up, wrapping it around Remus's cock before taking him further into the back of his throat. The sound was slick and wet, and he took a ragged breath. I'm going to. Sirius only nodded, glancing up at Remus from below his lashes, and it was his undoing, one promising always and forever. Open, honest, and caring eyes, willing to bring forth bliss and something sublime. He came with a cry, pushing Sirius's head further down on his cock, and his eyes never left his face as Remus watched tears spring in the corners of Sirius's. He finally drew up, Sirius humming something content, before standing and pulling him into a kiss. It was salty and sweet, something sick but honest. Sirius kissed him, and he tasted himself on his tongue before pulling back, mouth parting. Father! Sirius shouted as he turned, and Remus's father weakly lifted his head. Sirius backed into Remus's chest, hands coming to either side of his hips as he leaned against him, sticking his tongue out and showing Lyle what Remus had thought fit to give him. He swallowed a moment later before leaning forward, roughly spitting on the ground. The cum mixed with his father's blood on the floor, and Remus moaned at the sight. It was milky white mixed with the violent red, the beginning and end of life. Pushing them backward, Remus felt Sirius's hands move down the front of his legs as he made him kneel on the steps. He gasped as Sirius came to stand behind him, pulling his pants down and gripping his thighs tightly. Sirius rested his chin on the small of Remus's back, watching his father look at them both, meeting Sirius's eyes above him. He leaned down, licking across Remus's back before leaving an open-mouthed kiss. It burned hot, but Remus moaned, pushing into Sirius's touch. Blood was spilled again, sweet boy, Sirius stood, brushing a hand over Remus's hair. And not by me. You can, Remus gasped. Anything you want. But can I have it? Anything you want. Remus adjusted his grip on the second step, knuckles white against the dark wood. He hung his head before feeling Sirius pull it back up, forcing their eyes to meet. His breath was strained, but he no longer felt lightheaded, only entranced by Sirius's beautiful face and lovely words. You're mine. And then Remus screamed as Sirius let go of his head, trying to muffle it in his shoulder as he felt a slice down his back. It wasn't deep, but it stung, and he bit down through the cloth of his shirt, eyes watering. A moment later, it was gone, and he pulled his head up, eyes heavy. Bellissimo. Sirius pressed his palm into Remus's back, arching him further, before smearing the blood around. It trailed down Remus's waist, falling to the floor under him. He felt Sirius's delicate fingers trail through it before they disappeared, and he heard Sirius moan, something loud that drowned out the remaining of his father's whispered and heartless protests. So sweet. Sirius's fingers trail over the tops of Remus's thighs before moving further up, pressing against him, pushing into him, and there was little resistance. Remus let out a high moan at the touch, feeling the slick push and pull of Sirius's fingers inside of him once more. His fingers disappeared again, skating along his back before sliding back in. The prettiest shade of red. I painted the skies something similar the other morning. Sirius leaned forward, and Remus felt him glide his tongue across his back, humming before sticky fingers reached his chin, forcing Remus's head up.
How does that feel, sweet boy? Please. No need to beg. You will have everything. I want to hear you. It feels good, Remus choked out, and Sirius began to move his fingers faster. Remus's eyes were unfocused, his mind fixed on the pleasure Sirius was dragging out of him. The aching of his back was gone, and his palms no longer hurt where they had settled on the hard and unforgiving wood. Do you fear me? Never, Remus gasped as Sirius pushed in another finger, lulling back into his touch. He wanted more and needed more. He could never get enough of Sirius, and it was nothing wrong but something that felt overwhelming. As if the world could not hold it or understand, and the skies were not wide enough to encompass it. Sirius grinned against his back before straightening, and Remus felt his hands brush against his length before Sirius's cock was pressed against him, slick with blood. Remus pushed back against him, a silent plea that went unheard despite his breathy and needy pants. You only have to tell me what you want, sweet boy. And Remus could think of many things he wanted and longed for, but the first thing that came to mind rang the truest. You. He felt Sirius push forward and cried out, palms unsticking from the floor as he grasped the third step. Remus's fingertips dug into the wood, and he threw his head back, reveling in the stretch and wetness between them. A hand brushed against Remus's back before Sirius brought it around, and he could see the crimson sheen on his skin. None is going to waste, Sirius said slowly, pushing back into Remus before pulling out. I promise I would not waste such a precious thing. I need more, Remus whimpered, struggling against the dragging and punishing pace Sirius was setting. Please, Sirius. You want me to fuck you? I told you. I believe God is watching. Let him watch, he gasped as Sirius drew back again and slammed his hips forward, bottoming out, and Remus's nose brushed against the step in front of him from the force. He bit his lip and lifted, panting as he met Sirius's next harsh thrust. Remus grit his teeth, eyes watering before his jaw shifted and scraped. He cried out, begging for more. And I think he's angry because he knows he cannot have you. Another thrust and Remus sobbed, gaze going unfocused as he threw his hand back, fumbling for Sirius, needing to touch him. Sirius grasped his upper arm, hauling Remus flush against his chest. His nose skated along Remus's shoulder as he thrust forward, and he was held in place as he screamed in pleasure. Gaze heavy, his head pulled back, and to the side, Sirius snapped his hips upward, the breath leaving Remus every time he found that perfect spot. His eyes widened as he saw the shadow form on the wall in front of him, something dark emerging from where the wall met the floor, expanding into two graceful shadows painted across the church and his father's body. They looked like wings, and Remus's heart stuttered. He was fumbling to grasp onto Sirius's, holding his arm back, but it was slick with blood. It coated Remus's shoulders and was running down his legs between them, the sound sticky as the shadow stilled on the wall. They were dark, though, darker than shadows should have been, and Remus would have thought it truly God had the light outside not been blocked from behind him, where Sirius was. You're mine, you told me. I did, Remus said urgently, his back sticking to Sirius's front with every thrust. 
It was slippery and wet, and he could hear the push and pull of Sirius's cock as he fucked him in the silent church. Remus glanced up, seeing his father's head hung low and still, and began to plead for more. Please. I need you. Only me. Sirius asked, breaths shallow against his ear as his hand let go of Remus's arm, skating up his back. Only you, always. Fuck me, please. Sirius, oh God. I promised you another world, Sirius gasped out, that hand coming around to grasp Remus's cock. He squeezed tight, and Remus began to see white as he looked down and saw all the red he had offered. I promised you any world if you'll have me. Always. And then Sirius turned them, and Remus fell forward, hands catching on the pew in the front row. He saw the spot he often sat at, listening for wisdom, and found none. Searching for God and finding not one. There had never been a true word spoken between those four walls, but as Sirius twisted his wrist around his cock, slamming into him once more, he sobbed. I love you. And that was the first truth spoken in that pitiful excuse for a church. Love. Sirius gasped, tightening his grip on Remus's cock as his hips began to stutter and Remus pushed back against him. Is worldly and childish, sweet boy. Someday you'll understand. His fingers found Remus's chin, and he took Sirius's fingers into his mouth, tasting the metallic tang as he fell over that cliff. His lower stomach tightened, and his head was thrown back. As he came, a deep moan escaped between barred teeth, biting into Sirius's flesh. Sirius followed behind right after, panting into Remus's skin, burying his face against his back as his tongue lapped at the blood still spilling. He held Remus up as he buried himself one last time and came with a cry, biting into Remus's shoulder. The pain only lasted a moment before it was replaced with warmth, something trailing through his body and wrapping him in good. The church burned, and it was silent, Remus standing in a small patch of snow where the birds did not lie. It burned and burned, the flames licking the heavens before faltering and rising again. It smelled of ash, firewood, of blind faith, and the innocent, but there was also the smell of cleansing, of new belief and something fresh. Sirius stood beside him, and they were warm. Finite. Thanks for listening to this text to speech podfic composed by Burning Aurora.